and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And this is Bill Price. Welcome, everybody. Um, let's jump right into it and talk about what have we been playing recently. Ooh. Ooh. Mysterious. Yes. Um, well, we had a separate game night, game night, game day. Game night, game night? Uh, game, game day, game night. <laughs> and uh, we played a really large game that uh, normally we would not be able to get in on like a regular uh, game night, game night. And uh, it's a Wasteland Express, which if yes. anyone knows this game is a pickup deliver, pick up and deliver game, and it is huge. It's a big table hog, and uh, there's definitely a reason why this has not made it to game night. But it's it was a great. I really enjoyed it. What'd you think? <laughs> it's got me so flustered. I'm coughing. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it as well. It was. Um, uh, it, so the problem, kind of the theme overall is it's like Mad Max universe or a Mad Max type world and you are a delivery service who services the varied camps and townships uh, that still exist in this wasteland um, running stuff around. So it's a pick up and deliver game, but it's it's really well done and it doesn't feel boring that a lot of pick up and deliver stuff can be where it's like... Uh, here I go again, way across the map for no reason. Um, it's very exciting. It's compacted. Like the map for uh, is as it's not it's big, but it's not huge, and I think that helps helps it for sure. Yeah, but and, uh, hey, I, lo- I really liked it a lot. Yeah, and it's it's modular, so it's completely different. Um, this time there were a few different certain like camps that give powers and stuff um, that were not really they were kind of really on the outskirts so we ended up there were quite a few things we didn't use that i think we normally would on a game if they were in a slightly different place um a lot of the uh places where you could actually buy stuff were kind of clumped together on the game that we played and i could kind of see how it could change the game a lot if those were you know farther spread out um so, so you'd never know when you start the game. It doesn't seem like you're ever going to know like one concrete strategy right off the bat. Yeah, which I think is really really cool because uh, you a lot of pick up and deliver games, especially with static maps, uh, can get really samey with repeated plays. And yeah, can just sort of be like a who's the quickest one to accomplish uh, their objective, who's the quickest one to you know take whatever their their strategy is and just execute it and whoever can do that first is uh is the winner yeah <laughs> so, and that that gets old pretty quick yeah it it really does a great job of capturing like the market shifting you know people have these demands and you know you delivered water somewhere and so well of course they don't need any more water suddenly they need bullets and and so there's all this demand shift that really really is cool and that we had i i had to leave early unfortunately but i played most of the game and even the part that i the most that i played there was a lot of like you're racing some other person uh to get to that one spot and you want to deliver before they do because then you can get rid of your cargo and if if you get it before them then they get stuck with cargo that they really don't have as easy of an option to get rid of but they have to so they have to do other things and shift their strategy for that turn um and there's a lot of strategy to choose from too so it does a really good job of even when you're stymied you have alternatives. They're not they're not probably as good as you were going to think what the thing was you were going to do, but there's stuff to do. Right. And and one of my favorite parts actually was, uh, you kind of touched on it, was the supply and demand. Uh, this economy, little mini economy that it has is uh, pretty unique. I think it works better than most in-game economies in yeah. that 
Uh, depending on the demand markers out there, uh, the more camps that demanded something, the more expensive that good was because everyone's kind of competing for that. And, uh, and as demand markers switch out, you deliver water that, you know, is worth 10 bucks each or whatever, and you switch that out and now it's food, there's less demand for water. So now water's not worth 10 anymore, it's worth nine, you know? And so it's, it's a really accurate and very cool way to simulate the ups and downs of supply and demand. And I, I think that's something a lot of other games could use and i'm kind of surprised that something this efficient yeah and it's not that part isn't fiddly the game is a little bit fiddly um and that there's a lot to keep track of but that particular piece of it uh i i found not to be fiddly at all it was uh it was very easy to keep track of and uh and i i enjoyed that particular aspect a lot it was it was really surprising how well it worked especially in a chaotic game where things are a little fiddly this was like your stabilizer (laughs) you could always depend on good old market forces (laughs) yes yes it adds that element of realism that is kind of and i say realism in a post-apocalyptic game but um still that economic realism in that the more people want something the more they're willing to pay for it well, and it did make it come alive, too, in a way. I mean, the story is pretty broad, um, and you, there is actually quite a lot of flavor text on the cards and stuff like that you can read and really get into it. But it did create its own story and the fact that you know, all these little outposts, and you know, because you could follow one, and it's like, this one, God, it just keeps wanting more water. Why do they want more water all the time? Right. Like, what's going on there? <laughs> and so it's sort of these fun little quirks that pop up um, yeah, unbidden or just randomly that really make it uh, surprisingly feel alive in a way. So, yeah, really, really well done. Yeah, and... and- and it's you never quite can tell from one round to another because it you may have there was one round where there was no place to buy food yeah so you literally couldn't get food unless you were going to go after one of the raider trucks cuz it's these raiders that roam around um that the players can move around to kind of intercept other people and they're they're kind of a nuisance they're not going to like lose you the game or anything but you can steal their resources so uh, I know one in particular I went after. I loaded up on missiles and then went after this one particular Raider truck because they had food on the back. And that was the only way to get food because I, I had a special mission that I had to deliver food somewhere. So um, very neat. And lots of different missions that mm-hmm. uh, you have to accomplish, some public, some secret. So uh, even your objectives from game to game are pretty drastically different. And so I think replayability here would be incredibly high. Yeah. And well, uh, I wanted to add too about the combat. One of the things that I read, one of the complaints I read about the game is that someone was complaining about the combat because the raiders, there are raiders around and uh, you can, through certain types of movement, control them. You can move them towards your opponents or block people. It doesn't happen a lot, but it definitely happens enough in the game that's a factor. And when you encounter these guys, um, if you drive by their area, they'll take a pot shot at you and they can give you a damage. Or when you fight them, um, they're not. It's not like they're pushovers. You can't always just beat them. But your odds are pretty good. I mean, or good, I should say. Your odds are good um, that you'll be able to. They're decent. Yeah. It's not like I shouldn't say. It's not like It's not like eight ninety percent of the time you're gonna win. Uh, I think both times <laughs> that I went up against them, I I got shot uh, or got damaged. But um, it's an it's nice in the fact that they don't stop the game. It doesn't stop and suddenly become a fighting game. It's just an annoyance 
that can cause catastrophic damage if you aren't paying attention to the damage you're racking up on your vehicle. But they're not going to, you don't have to stop suddenly and um, engage these guys for like a whole turn and be that suddenly that's my focus i'm now into only a combat person it's kind of it's what bill is saying it's like shoot i don't have any other options here but i need to do something in my turn i'm gonna go fight a raider that's not what i would have wanted to do but it's a viable option so it it does it really well i really really well as well yeah lots of really good choices uh lots of replayability um it's not as complex as it looks um, my wife, Kirsten, absolutely loved it. She talked about it quite a few times after we left. So she really had a good time. Uh, I I enjoyed it, and I'll look forward to playing it again. There we go. I just wanted to look up the uh, the designers. And there's actually three. Uh, Jonathan Gilmore, Ben Pinchback. Wow, that is an amazing name. And Matt Riddle. These guys have really great last names. Right. Um, and a uh, bunch of artists, uh, too many, too many to name, but it's a Pandasaurus game. Uh, I'll name them. I, why wouldn't I name them? Noah Edelman, Ricardo Bercelli, Joe Capel, or Josh Capel, Scott Hartman, and Jason D. Kingsley were the artists. Uh, and anyway, Pandasaurus Games is who printed it and, uh, who published it. So, um, and yeah. Best insert ever in a game oh, ever. Right. Yeah. The <laughs> insert. Oh my God. It is like... You just when we open up the game, we just all stood around it, just staring at the inserts Ooh. and how perfectly it fit together. And it's like three or four trays set on top of each other in in the correct way. And because those trays you're going to be using for peace organization during the game. And oh my god, I've yeah, never seen anything better than that. That's amazing presentation. Absolutely, it's the opposite of Eon's End, which was just let's pick the biggest box we can find and throw everything in there. I have a <laughs> Not few games organized. Like that. <laughs> Oh my god, Eon's end. But uh, yeah, anyway, great, great, great game. Definitely recommend checking it out. Um, really brings a neat twist to uh, pick up and deliver games, and just f- hits its theme really, really well. It feels like keeps you in it for sure. Agreed. This uh, honey roasted, honey roasted, honey with extra roasted. flavor crystals. I don't know. That's gum. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's uh, flavor crystals in in peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a detriment. You know what? <laughs> yeah. You put all these flavor crystals. Why am I? Why are these so oh, if crunchy? We're, if we're going uh it's pretty caffeinated this game yes uh, but it's uh it's definitely High worth octane. it yes definitely worth it so um well let's move on to another segment that we are gonna jump into here um it's our first interview yes our first interview we're both really excited about it we have been chatting with uh, several designers that we've been trying to arrange time with to come on the podcast and just chat about their experience these two guys have a game that's being kickstarted right now as we speak they're at the uh, little over uh, about two weeks left i think from uh, from when we're recording this for their kickstarter and it's doing great it's a small micro game are you going to tell them what the game is the game is called capital vices And here they are now. So I'm going to grab this and we'll jump right into the conversation. Today we have two designers. They are in the middle of a Kickstarter at the very moment as we record. Donnie Coleman and Corey Andalora. Thank you guys for coming on the podcast and chatting about uh, your game. We're really excited to hear your thoughts. And yeah, Uh, so let's get into it. What want to give us a quick description of the game and how it plays and
Okay. And it's about a, what, 15-minute playtime approximately? Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, what got what brought you guys to this game? Like, what were what was your first uh, thought? Did it was it like theme or was it a mechanism that kind of got you playing around with the idea? Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. So when you, before you, the contest came around, how, not, I don't want to say bloated, but like how uh, much bigger, how much tightening did you have to actually do? I mean, when you, where were you in development? Were you guys close to that already and kind of slimmed it back a bit or did you have to slim a lot off of it? Okay. You know, I feel like we should do start doing segments on um, the benefits of designing under constraints because <laughs> we have we have a similar story with our game where we were playing around with it and then we entered a contest that we had to design or not a contest I'm sorry but it was a uh, just a contest yeah or, it was, <laughs> it was the Becon game design it was, contest <laughs> well, it was a, it was more of a laid back contest is what I was gonna say but but no, yeah it was a contest we weren't restricted in what we could design but basically we had to look at everything we'd done and tighten everything as aggressively as we could in preparation for, you know, showcasing it versus just endlessly playing around with ideas and adding things and taking things away for the fun of it. So uh, that's really cool. That's interesting. I, I'm always fascinated how games start and you get up to that point where you might even have a ready-to-play copy and then uh, for whatever reason they have to be slimmed, slimmed down. I think that's hard to do, especially with mechanisms you're really in love with. Are there things that you had to kick out that you hope to maybe incorporate in the future or you really like them that you wanted to maybe think about using in another game?
Okay, so you were aiming when you so you're aiming basically for a three player. How did you uh, so two to three though, right? I mean, you were was it always just like ideal is three, but it works with two, or do you on it? You know, some some people kind of have an ideal play count, and it sounds like three is what you were landing at. Is there a reason for that, or you just wanted a three player game? Gotcha. Yeah. Well, your Kickstarter is doing great. I've been actually just looking at it the last few days. How are you guys feeling about your progress? Is this where you thought you might be? Are you surprised? Because you have definitely met your goal and then some. <laughs> right, yeah. Who else can we call? <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, this this is Bill. So I had a question. You're talking about um, kind of getting into uh, the community and, and bringing more people into this that you don't know. What kind of steps are you taking? What kind of uh, community outreach or what, what sort of uh, social media or what's, what are you finding to be the most successful for you guys right now? Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Oh, that's great. Oh, nice. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, that's got to feel really good. <laughs> right. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that when our, our podcast made it onto there it's like yeah finally <laughs> doing it it's it only real. took like a month plus <laughs> oh that's really exciting so how did your um so the chat that you did that that's really interesting i had not even thought about doing that but uh that makes a lot of sense so how did you initiate that or did you always know you were going to do that how, how did that play out i guess i'm kind of curious how that went out Oh, wow. 
Oh, that's great. And so it the format was basically just like people would – it was like a live stream talking. You, you were going back and forth with people over live stream or did you come in with just kind of a presentation style, here's our game and here's what we're doing right now? Oh, that's really cool. So you guys are trying to you're coming from here, and what are your thoughts to take this? I mean, do you obviously have more game ideas in mind? I'm sure. Are you thinking of doing more self-publishing, or are you looking to? Are there anyone you want to? Is there anyone you want to partner with? Do you have any thoughts of? I don't know. I'm just kind of curious where your next steps are. I think everyone who's done one has kind of an idea of where they'd like to be or the path to get to wherever they like to be. And I'm curious what you guys see yours as. So, um, that speaking of uh, different directions, do you, uh, you you're kind of establishing this this brand here uh, with you guys with this micro game, and uh, and actually looks really neat. We watched the playthrough earlier today, um, but it is uh, are you looking to continue with more micro type games? Or are you looking to expand into something larger? Are you like, what's what kind of catalog long term are you guys looking to build up? Well, it's uh, 
Nice. Yeah, that's good to have. That that's good to have. Um, real quick, the uh, you were talking about growing, like taking a micro game type thing and growing it. Uh, it's a funny story that our um, our game that we just uh, that's going to be a Gen Con next week, uh, being play tested by a publisher, is uh, actually started as a in the micro game contest on Board Game Geek. And it was just 18 cards, and we totally lost that because it was terrible, terrible game. <laughs> we had not figured it out and at the right. time. Yeah, it was it was bad, and we were happy but, we did. But that core that core mechanism is what drives this our, our actual game, and it it evolved so much it's hardly recognizable. But um, it's it did it took that core mechanism that we found. Hey, this works. It's not that much fun right now, but it works. And if we build on it, and that's actually where our game came from. So there's, uh, I love micro games. I, I think it's super cool because they have to focus so well on one thing. Whereas you can hide bad, bad mechanisms. You could hide a bad game in a huge box game, but you can't hide, you know, a bad game in a micro game. So I, I we totally respect what you guys have done with this and look forward to definitely seeing what you guys can do in the future. I had another question f- following up on that too. Cause like we, we're really fascinated with just the step by the process that everyone takes towards design. So kind of going along with what both of you are saying, Ani, it sounds like you really like, you're thinking more about the game that you've already got going, but there's all these ideas popping in, in your heads. I'm sure about, well, what else could we done? How can we grow this? Versus the attraction of jumping into another game. So when you're doing development or you're actively trying to work on a game, um, you know, some people just follow one all the way through. They just sort of nose to the grindstone, have that creative outlet of working on this project to get it to fruition versus us. I think we our style is more we we do that for concentrated periods of time, but then we we break purposefully for a while and refocus to come back to a fresh perspective. It just feels like that works better for us. So how, how would you guys describe like your approach as a team in uh, taking a game from first ideas all the way up to a playable state that you're happy with? Yeah, that's that sounds similar to us because I feel like it's it's easy. You get very excited about an idea, and then you get into the the nuts and bolts of it, and you play it and play it and play it, and then it's hard, easy to lose sight of of things. And I feel like um, we we also have a few that we're working on as well. And it's just like you play it for a while, and then after a while, you're like, "What? I can't even sense if this is good anymore. I need to step away <laughs> to deal with something completely different, and then come back to it with fresh eyes and uh, and really reevaluate everything. And it's also, you know, keeping those creative juices are flowing. I think you need that change, but it's helpful. Yeah, and uh, back to the design process for, for just a second. This is something I'm, I'm always super curious about because this is kind of one of my favorite parts of game design. How, how many iterations would you say that you guys had of this from, like, first 
I, I have a concept, let me put it down on cards to the time where it's actually submittable to a contest. Like how, how many different sort of versions do you think you had uh, up to that point? <laughs> yeah. So was that, oh, I'm sorry. Go, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, go I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> we got just enough lag, just enough lag to make that difficult. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, because that's interesting, too, where you find, so was that just like a mechanism that you guys liked and it was just hard to let it go? Or was it just one of those things where you had to have that moment with that guide for the, uh, the light to go off and be like, uh, oh, wait, this isn't working as well as we thought it did up until this point? Because it, it strikes me where uh, you have – every once in a while you have that, where it's like, I really like this mechanism, but, okay, I've got to come to terms with the fact that it's not working as is, and we really have to address it even though it's one of my faves. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that that's interesting. Um, would would you say that this is uh, that it, it evolved very much as far as away from? Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is your first iteration of this. Uh, it, it, are the mechanisms pretty much the same, uh, and it's just sort of refining and tweaking little things, or or were there any kind or of even like the feel of it too? Like yeah, were there any broad changes like? Or, or was it effectively the same game that you sat down with initially? You just had to tweak it. <laughs> oh, wow. Right, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
good though i mean did you guys design anything solo or did you really start designing when you got together or have you always have you been i don't have you been friends for a long time have you been gaming as together for a long time when would you when'd you really start taking it seriously uh deciding to do it designs Yeah. Kaz is my Donnie. <laughs> Yeah, we have a very similar dynamic. Yes, I. Uh, <laughs> I just show up with this prototype and plop it on the table, and are like, "This is how it works," and it doesn't really work. Um, and Kaz is like, "Well, how about how about this? And how about this? And have you thought about this?" I'm like, "Oh yeah," and then this, and then all of a sudden, there's a playable game in it. So uh, that's that's always a good dynamic to have. We also kind of came to our decision to design something in a similar manner where we um, we just had been playing games a lot and chatting a lot outside of the gaming groups and decided just to design one. It, so it is it is really nice to have that partner that uh, you can bounce ideas off of that doesn't necessarily have your strengths and uh, you can both crunch some uh, ideas. We were actually doing this before we started recording today. Um, we had an older game that uh, we played with a while ago and uh, had it printed up and it's playable, but then we... Bill had a uh, he woke he texted me in the middle of the night. I had a dream about, <laughs> about a, print- a dream he had yeah. about the how the mechanisms could be rearranged to be a roll and write. <laughs> and so that's what we were doing. And so it's epic strikes of inf- or strikes of inspiration happen, and it's fun to bounce them back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting at your phone till he responds. <laughs> Just a wall of texts waiting for you upon uh, waking. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that experience with Bill as well, where suddenly I'll just look back and there's a whole conversation he's having with himself, with himself, and I'm like, like, okay, well, I'm gonna weigh in here now, but it uh, looks like you worked it out. Yeah, if Kaz doesn't answer, I, I just answer because I I know what I want him to say. Yeah, I like he thinks he does it in my voice as well, but that's just... oh, I do. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
<laughs> right, yeah. No, we're way past that, man. We're onto this. Yeah, that, that's a great dynamic though to have, especially in design where you can you you know this have those in those giant inspirations and then uh, talk them down or build them up. You know, go either way, <laughs> and it's always kind of an exciting experience to to, to uh, mine those a bit. Um, well, guys, we really are excited for your game. I, I, uh, we've been watching, like I said, I've been watching the Kickstarter. Um, I'm, uh, I, I'm backing it. I'm looking forward to playing it in, in hand and, and, uh, checking it out. Um, before we, we thought we'd get into some other questions more, um, broader about just kind of you guys as gamers and, uh, what you're into and what you like to play. We kind of touched on a little bit. You said you're kind of in the same game groups. Do you guys have like... Group, specific group that you kind of mainly go to or are there a lot in your area where you, you jump around a bit? Bueller? Oh wow, that's dedication. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I got you hooked. Yeah. My God, Donnie, I seriously, we have like parallel histories. That's almost exactly my experience, except it was, of course, Catan was my, Catan was my uh, intro as it was many, many years ago. And then it segued into that, but it was about, God, it was about eight years ago when I really started hardcore getting into it. But so did you guys play much when you were younger or like Donnie, did you play other games uh, that weren't board games when you were younger, like cards? My family was a big card game player, so I didn't play a lot of board games, but I played cards and other games. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I uh, I hear you, man. I hear you. We were just talking about how much of our lives we lost to StarCraft because um, it's on the shelf of my uh, my my office. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I had a similar experience as well, where I, I played a lot of, like, games with family or, or other than that. I was into, briefly into magic, but not really. I could quickly not afford to keep being into magic. Um, but yeah, I think there's, it's interesting how much that cross, there's a crossover there of video games. I, I feel like the board game industry, in a way, is kind of like video games in the 90s, where no one really gets how big it is, but once you get into the community worldwide, it's massive, and, but it still feels very interconnected. There's a lot of people that you can really epic designers that you can if you're at the convention just go up to talk to someone that you might see and it's very open and welcoming so it's so it's that's surprising in a really interesting way um what about you Corey? do you have a were you a gamer as a when you were young or did that come later oh nice (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I came myself from uh I played a lot of uh D&D and other RPGs like Top Secret and like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle RPG and Ninjas and Super Spies and uh, all that stuff uh, in high school and like right before high school. So that's that was kind of my gateway more than um, more than traditional board games and more than than video games. Uh, although do I, I did lose a lot of time to to StarCraft as well. But uh, StarCraft and and Civilization were like my two uh, video games. But those are computer games. But yeah, mostly uh, it's RPGs kind of brought me in, and that's what I like a lot. Uh, really about board games is it's like an RPG experience, but it's way cleaner and substantially faster. <laughs> Kaz and I play in a D&D group that meets, and it's like every session's like five hours. And if I, I'm not sure I could play a board game for five hours, but uh, you go through a D&D scenario, and you're like, oh, only five hours? <laughs> so it's, it's kind of kind of a nice, nice sort of next step. Yeah, it scratches the itch. Um, so what do you, uh, with your groups, it sounds like you guys get quite a bit of playing in, um, we're with our group right now, we are, we started offshoot at our own because we were realizing we weren't getting those long games, speaking of long games played. So we've created a subgroup of our group that started to meet regularly. Are you guys able to, are you, do you like the longer games? Uh, is it something you get played? Um, or is it more, are you more of a couple hours and that's, that's kind of the sweet spot? Right, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 
Right. Yeah. Like losing a eight hour game of TI four is, is <laughs> it, it's tough to get over, but at least you're having a good experience. Um, yeah, it's uh, you definitely want when you're I found when when you're playing a big game like that, a long game, you want to make sure that everybody a kind of knows how to play, knows what to expect. And um, it, it typically the, the more experienced people you play with on a game like that, the better because they kind of naturally sort of get that and uh I, i've had a few really long games where either i've checked out or i've seen somebody else just check out in the middle going well now what am i gonna do and so that that's that's definitely a, a drawback but i have one last question for donnie um so uh betrayal legacy how how do you like it so far Right. Yeah, I guess we'll see what happens. <laughs> okay. It, that's that's awesome to hear. Did uh is this your like have you played many other legacy games before this one or is this kind of legacy intro for you? Oh, wow. Wow, that, <laughs> that's impressive. <laughs> Yeah, no, you did say that, yeah. Oh, that... I can't even imagine. Yeah, the domino effect can be just outstanding, yeah. Yeah, we played a really dud uh we played Seafall, which obviously is terrible. Um <laughs> well, I don't know about that, yeah, but it, uh it it is. It is. He's he's trying to be nice. Bill, that's the other thing in our relationship. Bill has severe black and white opinions and I'm always like, Well, I mean it wasn't that bad, but no. I there, there are parts of Seafall I enjoyed a lot, but Sure. The box was nice. <laughs> um the components were cool. Ripping up the cards was fun. Therapeutic, um, no therapeutic. Yeah, but yeah, otherwise that game was 
not good. Uh, so, so if, if that's in your in your legacy future, you should probably take that back or just uh, see if you can sell it on eBay. Well, it's so hard too, and I <laughs> I always wonder about that too. Like, especially thinking it from the design side. I mean, there's someone who loves Seafall, and it's their favorite legacy game ever. Ever, and their mind was blown because it just hit all the right boxes. But they obviously don't post anywhere because I can't find <laughs> well... anybody that loved Seafall anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I that's that's a, that's really impressive. You guys are trying to tackle legacy right away. I, I can't imagine trying to like get the the gears working about how to the interactivity of all the mechanisms and within the legacy structures. Oh man, that sounds just makes my head hurt just thinking about it already. Even with basic games. Yeah, I haven't played enough legacy myself to uh, any sort of legacy games really to be able to I think tie all that together. So props to you guys for sure. Oh, nice. Sure. Oh, wow. That's... It was his cousin's game. What's he going <laughs> right. to do? You know, he can't... He probably is a Seafall player. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not a pandemic person, or just uh, what? What's the hesitance for pandemic? That's Too much got legacy. so many loud, lauded, so lauded. <laughs> Exhaustion setting in. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, geez, we've uh, the, the one you, person you do exist. The one person in the community that hasn't played Pandemic. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> You're still board game hipster. <laughs> like I don't play Pandemic; it's too popular. You haven't heard of the games I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All I, all my games are in German. You've never heard of them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I uh, I also have uh, Pandemic Season Two sitting on my in my shelf, but I uh, I don't have Season One. That's where that's the weird place I'm at. I found it on an amazing sale, and I got it, and now I have to find Season One uh, first because uh, I really want to play it. Probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. I know, I know. I was just getting that time. That's the thing with the legacy is it's so hard. I, uh, I'm not sure if you guys have kids or not. My big hang-up is I, uh, I, we have a small uh, child, and so scheduling around him is always a difficult thing. And so any game we play with him is uh, something that if he's around, he will want to get involved and make up some own, his own rules, uh, which is fine. He's five. That's what they do. But uh, very hard to play legacy games around a uh, an unpredictable force that's roaming around your house. <laughs> yeah, my my children my children are all grown up and have left home, so I I have uh, I have no no hangups like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I, it's it's fun. I'm. Uh, how old are your kids? 
Oh, nice. Yeah. So mine's five. He's kind of right, right, right in the middle there a little bit. Um, it's fun though. I I really enjoy uh, every once in a while or trying to bring games out with my son to just see what logical steps he can make and what game he can start kind of capturing the a really basic strategy around and. So it, that's a really fun experience that just being a parent and seeing seeing that develop. I, I have a friend who's got uh, his son, I think, is around nine or ten, and they're starting to really seriously play some games. And I, I look forward to that getting there. But it's it's still fun trying it right now. Kaz is really good at beating children at games. Yeah, I get a sick satisfaction. <laughs> I don't know if... <laughs> <laughs> still yeah yeah well it's it, yeah no it's amazing like, well, especially if you kind of uh, you know kids absorb so much and you sort of watch the strategy that's funny that they teamed up too that's <laughs> that's that sibling uh, like their cohorts um, I had an experience uh, where I was playing I was teaching a game and um, there was a, a one of the daughters of our people person people who come to our group um she's very good at games she's got a good mind for it strategy she immediately got it and did really well the first couple of hands and i just got that competitive <laughs> that competitive red just went over my eyes he and was i uh, seething just seething unexpected accidentally uh, destroyed her in the game by the end because she had beginning strategy down but you know as the game progressed i uh, i didn't realize <laughs> yeah well, exactly you know you know you don't mess with the king right I, so um but uh, but yeah, it's I, I, that's the one thing that we've also talked about on on the show as well in our group. Uh, every once in a while, we'll have um, people bring their kids, and that's always great. And it's always fun to engage with someone who maybe isn't new to gaming, but is new to these strategies or understanding them. That's a really fun thing to observe. A couple more questions. I thought we'd just get into if you don't mind. Let's see what do we got. Um, two things. What brings you to a game initially? Are you more attracted to uh, a theme? Like, is a theme kind of catch your eye? Or do you hear about a mechanism that you're really intrigued by and want to explore it? And which one of those maybe kills an experience? Is, can you get through a theme that's bad if the mechanisms are entertaining and engaging? Or is that going to kill it? Or will you play through a theme if there's just enough of the theme in the game and the mechanisms are so-so? I mean, what's priority for you? <laughs> mm -hmm. No. Okay.
Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Right. Right. Yeah, and that can also kind of, we talked about this a little bit ago, but kind of be even more difficult when something is perfect for theme, but getting rid of mechanisms that's perfect for theme, but it just doesn't work. That makes that so much harder to get rid of if it fits. But uh, that's an interesting point, too. We played a, um, um, uh, we played Wasteland Express. Have you guys heard of that game recently? So that game is like a pick-up-and-deliver game set in um, uh, the designer's version of the Mad Max universe, post-apocalyptic universe, where you are um, basically your pick-up-and-deliver, your delivery service that picks stuff up and delivers it across the map to, um, to uh, you know, all these outposts and little townships of uh, all these borderline feral people. But uh, it does a really good job of reminding you of the theme in the game because uh, you know you, you you come to a game with a theme and you start playing and then eventually the theme sort of fades to the background and the mechanisms take over and the way you engage with that but it's a so i think it's a sign of a great game that keeps kind of reminding you of the theme periodically where you know like splendor splendor as soon as you start playing it doesn't you know and that's not really the theme doesn't matter there but this game did a really great job of uh things would happen and it's a bigger game so there's a lot more things that can happen but it would pull you back in like because of the market system they um uh what you are picking up and delivering you, you kind of can choose that and sometimes you uh, have to make a choice based on the value of the market and there's a township that keeps needing water and so for some reason in your mind you're like okay that's just what i need to do for the game but also why the hell do they keep needing water over there what are they doing and so it's it, uh, it kind of brings you back in a really fun way <laughs> Oh, cool. Right. Oh, interesting. Right. Right. 
Oh, that's really interesting. So where are you with that one? Are you uh, how where are you at in development with this one? Oh well. <laughs> well, that sounds really cool. I'd love to see that. I'm looking forward to checking that out. All right, guys, I think uh, we got, let's ask you one more question. Um, so this is another thing that kind of fascinates us right now. And I think a lot of, you can see that in groups is uh, what type of gamers do you guys think you are when you're playing games? Do you prefer to just, if there's a game that's new in the group that problem brings up, or is that what you're jumping on? Do you like to play a game a few times until you start getting the strategy um, and then you're ready to move on? Or do you play one game as much as you can until you sort of master, master it and uh, know that you're, you are the master of that game? Sure. So you kind of want to maybe you're playing games that you're about the sim. You're all about the same familiarity with either if it's a new one or one you've played. It's a popular one in the group, so you're all kind of coming from the same place, strategy-wise or ability-wise. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that a lot about Wings, man. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What about, Corey, what about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that pressure. Oh, man. Yeah, now I looked it up while we were talking, and I, I I've seen the cover. I don't don't know anything about it though. I'm uh, curious about it, so I f I feel like after this I'm gonna do a little more reading. <laughs> huh? Wow, that is. That's high oh. praise. Yeah, I'm the kind of guy who who will bring. I'll, I'll just bring a game, and if if nobody likes it, then they obviously just don't get it. 
know, <laughs> it's still it's still a great write, game. Write them it's, off immediately. Yeah, they're just they're just not. It's just not. You know, <laughs> it's not the game. It it's them. Ask them not to come back to the group. Yeah. Yeah, I, I we I think we're similar too. I I uh, especially when you're running a game, definitely you want to have. Um, uh, you know, everyone enjoying it and, and feeling like they're in the mix of of being able to any you know anyone has the potential to win if they're figuring out their strategy and, and that. But uh, it, it's interesting. Our our game night has become uh, our game game group has become the 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 space based themed game group. There is always a space based game somewhere always. in the game in the group at every night. It, we're segueing away from that, I think. Um, but we've been going through phases, and that is our current phase. Because, well, everyone saw it one night uh, when we were playing it, and then they're like, oh, I'm going to get that. And so I was like, I'm going to get that. So now there's like, like five so or six copies, copies of it at every game night, and everybody just got it, so they all want to play it. But uh, it's a good game. I like it a lot. <laughs> it is really good. It, it's it Machikoro, really but fun. <laughs> Bill uh, Machikoro did something terrible to Bill when he was young, and so he never forgives it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a better version of Machikoro. In space, even. So there's In that. In space. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it got better. And, and it did. At least I agree with that. Um, well, guys, that's all we were we had for you. Uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, coming on and chatting. It's always nice to talk to uh, other designers and and kind of you know pick your brains and see where you're at. Let's go through it real quick. I want to make sure we mention that one last time. Uh, so, Capital Vices is the game that you have kickstarted as of right now. I think when we release this, you'll probably have about a week left of Kickstarter. So, if you're listening to this, go check it out on Kickstarter. Other than that, Donnie and Corey, thank you so much. We really appreciate you having on or yeah. coming on. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, that was great. I, I, our first interview, we did it. it went well. We did it. Not, I mean, yay! Up, and we know that uh, teleconferencing in is functional. Well, uh, <laughs> you guys, actually, you guys as an audience, should let us know how this sounds to you because we're trying to. We really want to talk to more designers in the future, and you know, it's it's never going to be better than a good phone call, but. Um, uh, you know, if there was something annoying that you noticed that we didn't notice, let us know. If there's something that, if you thought it worked really well, then let us know that too, because we really want you to have as much fun with these conversations as, as we are. Yeah, and if there's anything in particular like you really want to know about these game designers, and you want to say, hey, the next next time you talk to somebody, you know, who's kickstarted a game, ask him this or what have you. Uh, we're always looking for for good interview questions, and especially we want to get uh, get you guys the information that you need because. That's why you listen. That is it. Yeah. So that will do it for us for this uh, recording of the podcast. Check out Capital Vices. They've got about a week left. Thank you guys for listening. You can reach us if you'd like to get a hold of us at Roasted Games one on Twitter and Instagram. And you could reach out to us on Facebook. You can also hit us in the comment section on our podcast hosting page, uh, eavesdrop.com, E-A-S-E-D-R-O-P.com. Find uh, the Roast Games page, and there's a comment form you can fill out to uh, let us know your thoughts, and we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. All right. See you guys next time. Bye.